everybody. I just wanted to talk with you a little more about visiting Egypt. So, in a previous episode, I discussed the citadel in Cairo, but that was just part of a trip through Old Cairo. I spent some time in Coptic Cairo. The Copts, of course, were the first Christians to exist in Egypt. I saw the Hanging Church, the oldest Coptic church in Cairo. Its nickname is related to its suspension across the mouth of a ruined tower in the fortress of Babylon. Okay, the oldest parts were built in the 600s. Want to stand on a rug that's older than your family lineage? Hmm? Visitors can enter the cave under the church where the Holy Family supposedly stayed when crossing Egypt. There is actually a Jesus-slept-here niche. I kid you not. The interior of the church is just stunning to behold. There's a continuation of the dark and light-striped theme associated with the architecture of the fortress, as well as presentations of many other forms of architecture and design. The exterior features inspirational architecture and a small garden. If you like religious icons, <laughs> this is a great place for you. You can spend half a day looking at them, maybe a full day if you're that into studying them. Outside this church, I witnessed for the first time the phenomenon of public foot bathing in Cairo. Right? At a row of faucets, which appeared to be meant for hand washing, I saw two different men bathe their feet in preparation for prayer. And through this part of town, there are these great high-walled paths, providing shade as you walk through the labyrinthine area. Some of them are lined top to bottom with books, some with propaganda posters, some with beautiful carpets or blankets, or both. There's always something interesting to see in these streets. On some walls, you can certainly find rows of posters dedicated to the last several leaders of Egypt. You can see parts of, including towers from, the Fort of Babylon, which was built by Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to say that again. Which was built by Nebuchadnezzar. I recently bought a 200-year-old American item, which is supposed to be an antique. <laughs> the feeling of history here is just palpable. It's tangible. But it has been dampened, more than heightened, perhaps, by the crowding in of everything on everything else. You may experience an intermittent dissociative feeling during which your brain tries to convince you that you're on a movie set. <laughs> I certainly experienced that, but it's all real. There's nobody yelling action. There's a handful of churches to visit, and even a synagogue. The artwork is all stunning, and you will never forget the alternating layers of red and pale stone and brick associated with the fort. Okay, this is also the area in which the Coptic Museum is located. There are, gosh, so many different types of art on display in this neighborhood. Textiles, weaving, stone mosaics, tile mosaics, painting, gosh, stained glass, and it is all excellent and memorable. Okay, is it safe? I can only offer that I visited just weeks after the Palm Sunday bombings, right? The organized bombings of two Coptic churches in other parts of Egypt. And I felt safe. Off to the Khan El Khalili, that famous Egyptian bazaar that you've seen in so many movies and documentaries. 
Everyone will advise you of the con, junk on the streets and good stuff in the shops. That's more or less true. A lot of the junk is fun, but the good stuff is more likely to be local. Um, if anybody yells Rolex at you, that person does not have a Rolex. You really need a guide to the con, or people will just continually grab you by the sleeve or the arm or the belt and try to pull you into shops. People will also latch on to you, following you, and trying to act as personal shoppers, okay? The con is super vibrant, super colorful, a million smells. I needed to use a restroom, and this guy took me into this building, and I don't even know what happened when we got inside. I went through all of these rooms and doors and up little sets of stairs, as well as big sets of stairs, changing direction repeatedly, through doorways hung with beaded curtains, and doorways hung with plastic strips, and open doorways, and finally stood before a urinal. It was wild, man. It was like a chase scene from a movie. And HOT! This was all happening in some pretty serious heat. I told the guy, please don't leave. I can't find my way back out of here. He said, I understand. You can sample many different foods here. If you are a seriously adventurous eater, you can spend all of your time indulging. The one type of vendor I really wanted to visit, but failed to visit, is the spice vendor. I had really looked forward to standing among all of those sacks and boxes and crates of colorful, fragrant, crushed up seeds and roots and leaves from around the globe. I wanted to stand there in, in the heat, right, and smell Morocco and Khartoum and Zanzibar. I wanted the patchwork of the spice's bright hues to imprint itself on my mind. So here's a travel commando tip about the con. Don't get so distracted that you fail to visit each type of merchant you have in mind. Here's another travel commando tip about the con. If you see something you really like in a shop, and I mean in the back, not in the stall out front, and you can get it for a price you can afford, buy it. Or remember with your guide where that specific shop is, you can probably just get a card. And if you can't find something which you truly like more, go back and buy the stuff. My thing was Egyptian turquoise. The first handful of stones I saw blew me away. I couldn't get the price quite where I wanted it, but I could have afforded it, right? I thanked the merchant for his time and several shops away bought some stones, which I really like, which were about $30 less, but with which I am much less happy. Okay. And dude, it was really hot out, right? On that day in particular, at that particular time, it was just an oven. I had not yet sampled any of the local tea. And at the end of the tour, we were sitting on some benches in a square, just relaxing and talking. A man brought some tea to me and it was so damn hot. I do not know how the surface of this stuff was not roiling. They have to serve it that way so people know any bacteria in the water is dead, but I wasn't quite ready for it, and it was like 100 degrees Fahrenheit outside. It was like drinking ice water on Everest, basically. Just not a healthy match to the environment. So Old Cairo can be a blast, okay? And the people were all just so sweet and accommodating. Okay, the military-looking guys directing tourists to place funds into a donation receptacle at a church were a bit much. But really, the people were amazing. 
And I want to touch back on Giza for a moment. I've been rather critical of certain people in Giza during past episodes. However, I have also pointed out the genuine sweetness one encounters when not directly in front of the pyramids, and even a few such examples right across the street. Yes, the touts are infuriating, but in general, the people are gracious and humble and welcoming. And there is so little to go around for them. This brings me to some information which I want to present about a fundraising campaign which I have in mind. When I came home from Egypt, I collected children's clothing and school supplies from people and institutions. I packaged everything up and sent it to my contact in Egypt, and the experience was a disaster. No child received any assistance. I am considering a GoFundMe campaign to go back with a load of clothing and school supplies for orphans and other children. Okay. I've already collected a reasonable amount of clothing and supplies. I will probably try to raise $3,000 through the campaign. Please feel free to share any thoughts with me, any input or advice, at travelcommando at hotmail.com or to follow me on Instagram and direct message me there. And now I am fortunate enough to present a couple of pieces of listener mail. Here's the first piece. Hi, Travel Commando. Like you, I have what people would call food issues. I am currently traveling across Asia, writing a book for people like us. I'll send you a copy when it's done. Thanks for the comments about beef jerky and sunflower seeds. You're not the only one. Robert. Well, thank you very much, Robert. I definitely look forward to reading your book. Crossing Asia on a stomach like mine would be a daunting feat, and I admire you. Here's another piece of mail. Dear Travel Commando, did you use any clothing or gear to keep cool in Egypt? Bree. Fantastic question. Yes, I did. I used a hypercool brand evaporative cooling hat. And the way that works is um, you soak the hat in ice water for 20 to 40 minutes before you go out. And then you wear it. Now, the bill will drip quite a bit for like 15 minutes. That gets a little irritating. But other than that, I found the hat to be a perfectly useful piece of equipment, and it would keep my head cool for three to four hours at a time. I recommend it. Now, there may be a little quality issue with my particular hat. After a handful of uses, a rip formed where the bill meets the crown. Um, but all in all, still worth the money, I'd say, just for the protection it gave me during the Egypt trip. I also used evaporative cooling wristbands and bandanas that work basically the same way. Um, and I obtained these from different manufacturers. These items are readily available online. They are also quite inexpensive. I also recommend taking a pair of polarized sunglasses and a pair of non-polarized sunglasses so that you can make your choice for the day depending on what's going on with the sunlight at the time. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.